So uh, this this week has been it was an interesting week. I think I, to say the least, um, in in our in many of our lives and getting to endure and be part of this giant experiment that we call electricity. And um, and I don't. Some of you had the privilege of getting to open your homes to those of us who um, were completely decimated by not having TV, but. <laughs> Um, but most, most of us probably experience some semblance of the consequences of Mother Nature coming down on us. And I think uh, as, I, as I was meditating this week and considering the word to bring to you and had been considering this idea of how we talked about spiritual practices and, um, and habits and how we follow God, I, I was kind of hit and strongly so with this idea that in fact, um, we as a community and we as people tend to live our lives in a way that actually is, um, that's actually challenging to our self-preservation in some ways. We, 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 we actually walk through life anxiously anticipating the awful and the evil that is going to take place in our world. We, we anticipate and we anxiously carry the burdens of fear of what is going to happen. And so we have this invitation this morning. We have this invitation to bring our anxieties to the Lord and to understand what it means to actually trust and give everything over to the Lord. So would you join me in prayer and would you extend your hands as a sign of your openness to what God may have for you this morning. God, we ask that you would do in our hearts and in our lives all that you have, and you would lead us in all that you have, that you would allow us to hear your word this morning, that you would allow us to seek your face and to trust in you. God, we give you all of the glory and all of the praise. Lord, be with us today. In your name, amen. So this week, um, during our giant windstorm, of course, when we moved here three years ago, um, and... We, we moved and we found this incredible house and nobody told us, hey, that's like the windy part of Simi Valley. And so we like live in the windy part of Simi Valley. And if you don't know where that is, then I invite you to follow the heaviest winds and you'll probably land at our front doorstep. Um, it's like, you know, just right up there, right at Tapo, the face of Tapo Canyon where all the wind decides to come down. And um, we have this consistent, we've had this consistent, like, interesting conversation with our neighbors about some trees that are right on our back wall in their backyard that are at risk of falling slash damaging our fence. And I'll give you one guess as to what happened this week. <gasps> so good. So we had a tree that decided to make itself welcome in our backyard. And um, I think the, the interesting part of that, right, is that we, um, we're in, in, in the midst of a situation like that, you're invited and challenged in two specific ways. You have an option of how to respond that is either uh, frustration, 
you can live in fear and anxiety of what's going to happen and frustration and anger when it happens the way that you, would, you just knew and you predicted. And, or you can choose to have as much grace as you possibly can for the, sake, for the sake of your witness, for the sake of your relationship, for the sake of not making your neighbors angry and mad at you. Um, and so, you know, it, and it's hard because behind us live renters. It's not even the people who live in the house's fault, particularly. It's, it's the landlord, and so trying to, like, reach out to him, and, like, I texted it. I, I got his number from another disgruntled tenant that they had a couple uh, last year, and then, like, we were texting him. So I texted him, like, kindly. I'm like, hey, just so you know, your property had a tree fall into our yard. And he's texting the tenant, and the tenant's like, well, I don't know. They just moved in two weeks ago. Um, they don't, this new tenant, and they're like, oh, we don't know. We didn't really notice anything. <laughs> well, there's a tree in our yard. But they're, from their backyard, like, they, you know, being new into the house, that they're like, it seemed like maybe it looked different, but they're not so familiar with the view that they're like, there's something missing here, Right? And so, so, you know, gracious about it, he shows up, he sees it, he goes, oh my goodness, how did this happen? Like, that's crazy. And he took care of the tree. And we have a gaping hole in our fence, and I have no idea when that's going to be fixed. And I have an invitation. I have an opportunity, right? I have an opportunity, like many of us do in so many challenging situations in our lives, where we can say, what are we supposed to do now? What do we bring? What happens that we need to live this out. And, and we live often in our lives in a world in which we choose to focus on the fear and the anxiety. And that's, that's displayed no worse uh, and, and no per, more perfect way than our regular nightly news, right? You're like, they, they'll, they'll go and they have these like perfectly prepared, wonderful stories about like the three nice things that happened that take all of 45 seconds in their news cycle. Right? They're like, look, somebody was feeding the homeless today. Wasn't that so great? Oh, thanks for your incredible reporting. In other news, in breaking news, there was this destruction and this destruction and this devastation and this thing and all of these awful things that we think you should focus on. Uh, there, there was this thing that happened in the political arena. There was this thing that happened at the border. There was this thing that happened in our community. This, there was this thing that happened just over the hill from us. And, and oh, by the way, we're going to cut to a car chase because that's way more entertaining. And I think our world around us conditions us and invites us actually to be anxious about things. To to carry the continual burden of the society around us, to continue the fears of our life, to continue to struggle with how our kids are going to get the best education so they can get the best job and have the best life and, and have everything that we want for them. We, we struggle to, to wrestle with how to love and care for our family members who aren't living quite the way that we would like them to live or who we would want to know and love Jesus or come to church, but that just hasn't been their thing yet. We, but we, we wait and we carry and we hold those anxieties and those things. And I think uh, in the midst of all of this, too, like we also allow things to agitate us. We allow, allow people to get under our skin and to get on our nerves and we 
don't always respond in the kindest, most gracious and caring ways. Um, and so I felt like this was a time for my personal opportunity for confession, since I have all of you. So here are some things that agitate me. Um, I, I get, I, I, have, I have quirks and I have weird things about me. Um, and one of the things that drives me crazy is when we oversimplify challenging topics. Now this makes life really interesting as a pastor with the scriptures and talking to kindergartners, right? Because you can't, you can't go, and the Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're all not each other, but they're all God, and they're all connected, and we have one God, three persons, three ways that we see God manifest himself in the world, but like, and they're going like, okay, yeah, that's, that, great, okay, like, let me play with my toys. Right? So, like, you can go, you can go and take something really challenging, like, you know, theodicy and the problem of evil. Like, this is a question that so many of us, whether we know it or ha- don't know it, have struggled in our lives. We've, we've wrestled with, okay, God, like, God, if you are good, if you are love, if you encompass all of that, how could you have created a world in which so much evil and destruction exists? And there's a whole theological, like, thing, like, study and books and books and volumes and volumes of stuff on that one topic of theodicy. And yet, when it comes down to it, you're like, oh, how do you simplify that? How do you, how do you make it basic? So like, I struggle with like this oversimplification of, well, well, God is good and, you know, Satan is bad. Like, is, it, is there more to it? Like, why did God create Satan in the first place? Like, why did this thing happen over here? Why did this happen over here? And we're not really going to go fully down some of these rabbit holes of things that like are really complicated. But if you're like, man, I want to know more about that. I want to, I'm asking some really hard questions. Like, I would love to get coffee with you and talk about those kinds of things with you. But we, one of the, my challenges in life and, and the political realm and, and in, in friendships is when we say, oh yeah, it's all that. It's all that thing right there. It's all that. When we point fingers and we say, that's the one thing and we miss some of the larger scopes of things. That's one of my, that's one of my personal things that like brings anxiety, that agitates me, that, that frustrates me because I so want people to get it. I want I want to have a deep understanding myself, but I also want others to understand the depths of what it is that is actually taking place and happening. Um, I also very much struggle when my perfect plans go awry because I only make perfect plans. You know, me and God, we're like this and like the things that we do, like they should all go perfectly. Um, And so I feel God's pain in the problem of evil because like, you know, some people just get in my way and don't allow, like, my perfection to take place and don't allow those things to happen. Um, I, I, have, I have some struggles with saying things um, or because um, saying things as truth because when, when I say them or when others say them and they're like, this is it. And you're, I'm like, but, but this and this and this. And you can tell they haven't actually thought through what they're saying. But they say stuff anyway. And I realized I actually do that a lot. Like, I'll drop random bits of knowledge and facts on people and be like, hey, look, random bit of knowledge. Like, I think it's true. 
it's great. Like, you should take that as truth. And um, so, sometimes they're a little bit embellished. And sometimes, like, it's just what I heard. And um, anybody who went to Alaska with me last time can tell a really great story of how I got in trouble um, with, not really in trouble, but I got to start on an odd foot, an interesting relationship with some Native Alaskan people from the Covenant Churches um, for talking about walruses. So if you, um, it, it's interesting what, what you, what's communicated as like sacred to an indigenous culture to you, and then you communicate that to a bunch of white kids, and then it really wasn't, and you're wrong, and you have to eat crow, and you have to kind of get over it. Like, yeah, I, I don't particularly like it when people say, this is it, and it's not it. So, you know, but I've been there. We all put our foot in our mouths. We all do these things. Um, and, um, I, you know, it also irritates me to not have power because, let's be honest, you can take my freedom, but don't take my internet or my phone. Um, that's my Braveheart joke for the day. Uh, the, but we, we walk through life this way. We walk through life um, in this pattern of anxiety. We walk through life with things happening um, that, that are not often the best for us. We walk through life with these challenges that hang over our heads. And for, for many of you, that could be family challenges, that could be work challenges, it could be other things that stress you out, like your, your house, your home, um, end-of-life things with friends or people. And in all of those, in all of those, we struggle to live out what God actually invites us to. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd invite you to turn with us to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is towards the end of the Bible. It's a letter that this guy named Paul, who we read from in our communion liturgy this morning, but this guy named Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, who had an experience of Jesus and then became the biggest church planter of all time. He wrote some letters to the churches that he planted, that he had helped start. And many of those letters are written as kind of a, um, as a mostly as an answer to questions that many, that, that that particular congregation were asking. And Philippians is no different in that way. It's a, a letter written to the church of Philippi, in Philippi, which now most of these churches that Paul planted are in modern-day Turkey, and many of them are still there and honored as historical monuments and um, in different ways in Turkey, even though it's a largely Muslim country now. And, um, and Paul is writing to this group of people who's fervently following and engaging in their faith in a new way. And we're going to pick this up in chapter 4, starting in verse 4. So this is kind of his, the ends, the, the final things that he really wants to make sure that they get at the end of his letter. Philippians 4, 4 to 9. It says, be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. You might have heard this as rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's a very famous song that was very similar, that was that used that phrase, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be glad. Always be glad in the Lord. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't. 
Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then, the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Here's another one of those like complicated verses. We now have three words all referring to God. Right? Make, we, we just skim over it sometimes. But, but it's, it's there and it's hard to comprehend some of that sometimes. So, um, again, moving on. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, admirable focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace be with you. God of peace be with you. So, it, it clearly says rejoice, have a great time, and you're like, but my world is crashing down. Like, there's literally a tree falling into my world. How do you rejoice? How do you do this? How do you not be anxious about anything? Because I, I see this pas- passage and I find it really interesting because I, I think it's actually maybe tongue-in-cheek. The, the way I read this passage, it says, don't be anxious about anything. Um, rather, bring up. So it says, don't do this. Instead, do this. Because we know you're going to do this. So here's some solutions to the challenge. Here's some solutions to the problem. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about some solutions to the problem. We're talking about how we live out the reality of not being anxious. Because when we're not anxious, then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep our hearts and minds safe in our Savior, in our Messiah, Jesus. Then our, the peace of God. So if we can figure out how not to carry our anxieties, then God will, will absolutely transform and keep our hearts and minds safe. How beautiful is that? How beautiful of a picture of the kingdom of God is that? Like, this is the basic picture of the entire kingdom of God, that when we cast our cares upon him, he will transform our hearts. And that's the promise of the scriptures. That's the promise of salvation. So how do we get there? It would be really nice to have this. So the first thing is don't. Don't. Don't be anxious. Uh, when we choose things sometimes, we create anxiety for ourselves. I, I particularly dislike scary and um, absolute, like scary movies. I, I really do. And there's some stuff in them particularly that like it's fine. Like it's fine. Like if that's something you enjoy and you like, great. Good for you. Um, I, I just don't. And the reason I don't is because I realized over time and when, you know, you're a kid or, you know, you're in high school or a young adult and you watch stuff like that and your friends are all into it and part of the whole thing and you feel like you're in and you're talking about it and you're like, oh, look at this cool thing. You actually, you, you tend to do things that you're like, then you like reflect on and you're like, why did I do that? Like, 
I feel awful. I can't sleep. Like, I just, I feel like I partook in something that, like, was actually devastating for me. And so when I watch scary movies, it's kind of like that. Um, I don't usually get bad dreams, but, like, my head starts to spin off, and I start thinking about awful things. And I, it's, a, it's a downward spiral for me, and I realized for many of us, your trigger, that may not be your trigger. You might have a different trigger. You might have something else that's your death spiral that, that leads you into an anxious um, chasm. And, and real anxiety, like real clinical anxiety, is some ways like the, the spiral of I can't survive and we forget, we have to think about the, the temporal good things now to get out of it. And yet, um, and yet, and we also have to identify the things that are bringing us frustration and anxiety. So, so don't actually invite, from a clinical standpoint, the invitation to reflect on the things that cause you anxiety. To reflect on them, and then, and then, the next thing. Next is then. Then. So first was don't be anxious about anything. Verse 6, and then the peace of God. Because when we identify them, when we figure them out, when we wrestle with them, then we can start to experience peace. But there's something that happens in the process of then. There's something that that happens in the process of then, and it requires what happens in verse 8. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. So, instead of focusing our thoughts on the things that breed destruction in our lives, the problems we have to solve, the, the, the invitation of Paul to this church, the, inv- the invitation of the scriptures to us this morning is that we are invited to focus on these All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Oh, that almost feels like too much, right? Like, there's not that much good going on in my life right now, right? Like, but there is. We just don't focus on it. We don't think, we, we let the, the fear of when will we have a lead pastor dominate our church conversation. I, I am just as hopeful for, for that as all of us here in, in different ways because I see the areas where I, I'm excited to redouble my efforts and pour in and I I. I don't have the full freedom to do that because I'm like, ah, oh, it'd be so sweet if I had the, the person who, who could like empower me and allow me. Oh, that'd be so good. But we have that. We have that, church. We have the person. It's not some pastor. It's not me. It's not your friends. It's actually, in fact, Jesus. We, we have and we're being invited to focus on those things. All that is true. 
Where is truth? What is truth? How do we get to truth? How do we understand what is real and true and good? Well, there's some basics, right? There's some things that we know to be true. These things, you know, we even are... are, uh, are our documents as a country start with, we hold these things to be self-evident. These things are obvious, right? We see them, but we also have a guide along that journey. And our guide is scripture, and yet none of us, a few of us, spend the investment time to actually focus on what is true. We go so much more with how I feel about something than to actually do the work to understand the depths and the richness of what is true and right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you, look at, you look at science. Science is a great example of this, right? Uh, you have the Pythagorean theorem. Oh, A squared on a, tri- on a right triangle. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And so you can find the length of the hypotenuse by finding the height and the width. Oh my gosh, such good. Don't you guys love algebra? Aren't you so glad? Oh, yeah. Man, don't, don't you love that we teach this to our eighth graders? Because they're really going to use it someday. And, um, and, but, and, and we have this, this truth and we're like, seems kind of quirky and weird to me. I don't know if I believe it, right? We kind of like, we immediately, do, I, don't, I don't know, I feel like math is kind of all made up. Well, is it? Is it not? I don't, we, uh, okay. There are things that we have in our possession in, for an opportunity for us to discover the truth. And the scriptures are one of those things. It's the truth of how God throughout history has interacted and invited his people into relationship with him. It's the truth of how God and his people have interacted with God throughout history to know him. And so when we go to scripture, it's not because scripture in itself has like magical powers. No, it's because when we get to focus on the things that are true, that are holy, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, that are worthy of praise— we actually get an example, a book that is not always interesting and not always intriguing and has some stories that don't really make a whole lot of sense, but that demonstrate how God knows and loves and articulates all that is good and right and pure and holy and true. And so we have an invitation in that. And so for generations, we've said, go to scripture, it's great. Now, some of you might say, "Eh, that's not my spiritual practice, that's really hard for me. There's other ways to do this. There's, there's a spiritual practice of meditation in the wilderness and going and being away and to focus and to look at the beauty of creation. For some, that's really meaningful. There's, there's spiritual practices of, of worshiping and pouring out our heart to God and singing and declaring that he is worthy of praise. That's why we come together and sing and worship in music, because it has an active ability to allow us to meditate and to think and to be reminded of the things that are pure and holy and lovely. And so even when we repeat a phrase too many times in a song for some of our preferences, right? Even when I fight my battles, right? 
over and over and over again. Right? I love that song too, Trisha. I love that song. Why? Why? Because it really reminds me that God is fighting our battles. And that my role is to surrender all to him. And when you repeat the truth, it doesn't become more true. It doesn't change the nature of the truth, but it becomes more impactful into our hearts and onto our souls because scripture is clear that when we focus on these things, the next thing is practice. It's not just focusing. It's not just thinking about them, but it's actually practice the things. Verse 9 is practice these things. Whatever you've learned, heard, received, heard, or saw in us. So first, it was don't. Then it was then. And then, to, to live out this then, we have to focus and practice. Don't be anxious. Because God will restore you. We have to focus on God, and we have to practice. Practice what? Practice these things. Whatever you've learned, received, heard, or saw in us. Paul is saying to them, whatever you've seen in us, in the leaders, in the ones who have have sought to demonstrate who God is to you and in your life, we walk before you as an example. And that is what the story of Scripture is for us. That's what the story of Scripture is for us. That's what the story of Jesus is for us. It's an invitation for us to put on those things because his promise is that when we put on those things, when in our anxiousness, then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding, the peace of God that you cannot even mentally comprehend, that is literally your mind being blown, will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. That Jesus will redeem you and know you. And so this morning, as you leave, you might um, take some opportunity as we enter into, this, the, into a time of offering as well. We would invite you to look at some of these opportunities for next steps to show gentleness to people that agitate me, maybe to identify some things that are bringing you anxiety, to spend some time meditating on things that are excellent or worthy of giving God praise for. And in the midst of that, that we would lift up those who are anxious, who are worried, who are affected by the things of the world, and know that God can be the one who gives peace and comfort and healing to them. How good is that? May we live into the then. May we know that God has our backs. May we release our anxieties and care upon him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this morning to know and to trust that you are good, that you are God, that you are the one who brings 
hope and life and joy, that you are the one who allows us to be protected. But God, we also know that it is not easy to release our anxieties to you. And we ask that you would be the bringer of our peace. God, would we be mesmerized by you? May our hearts be filled with gladness. God, as we continue in worship, as we give our offerings to you, God, we ask that you would be the God who meets us in this place. As we give all that we are to you, would you allow your words, the things that are good and right and pure to be on our hearts, would we remember them? Would we focus on them? Would we put them into practice and live them out? God, you are good. Amen. Amen. shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord and all the earth 
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath 